They work, and they, they, they dedicate that time to help teach you, to help grow you. And so as you go off, I, I want you guys to, to be able, a great way to show how much you love them is to continue to listen to them, continue to help them, but also just enjoy the time with them. So youth, you guys are dismissed. You guys can go towards the back, and thank you so much. As we uh, dive into the scripture, we're going to spend a lot of our time in Genesis 27 today. Uh, a good reminder as we, uh, uh, before we dig into, last uh, week we uh, had discovered that uh, Rebecca has uh, taken over for Sarah. So Sarah and Abraham, and we needed to find someone who's going to carry on the stars, who's going to be carrying on uh, uh, the promises, the blessing. Uh, with God and Abraham, and, and we found that to be through Rebecca. As we, uh, as we always will see, though, uh, the point is today, though, that, and I don't know if you guys know this, probably don't, that there sometimes can be family problems. No? Okay, perfect. Only a, a few. I'm glad most of you have no family issues whatsoever, so this will be a quick lesson. Uh, no, fa there, there could be family problems that occur, and we're going to see that uh, majorly in the story today, especially as we look in Genesis 27. Uh, and as you can clearly see, if you have not begun to see this pattern of continual human failure from Adam and Eve, and this uh, continual, the drops, and uh, that includes uh, from Adam and Eve uh, to Noah, uh, to the Tower of Babel, to, uh, to all of it, there's these, these, the continual failings. But one thing that is always continuing to, uh, to be uh, a promise is that of God's family will be able to continue. God provided Rebekah and for the seed and the stars to continue. From the beginning, from Genesis 3, we have been looking for the one that will crush the snake's head. Who is that going to be? As you continue to read on, there's this promise of the, the seed that will continue and the seed that will be promised through Abraham. And we're looking through that. And now, right now, that is with Isaac. And, and we're looking at who that will that continue to be on and who the line will continue to be the one to strike the snake. And we see right away from Genesis 27 that Isaac is trying to give the blessing to Esau. But if we look at Genesis 25, we know that God has already handed it over to someone else. Let's start with Genesis 25, verse 21 through 28. And we will see where the family problems begin. It says this, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all of his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, 
So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man, dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Already seeing a problem. Let's jump to Genesis 27, where we'll spend most of our time today. I liked it when we were talking in Sunday school, as you already saw Jacob and Esau struggling within the womb, this fighting. But Rebecca does something why she goes and seeks the Lord. And throughout this Genesis 27, you will see that they do not really seek the Lord for guidance and wisdom. Verse 1 says this, When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food, such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, to know this story, we need to talk about blessings, okay? We need to know what a blessing is. What is a blessing given in this day? It's very important, uh, especially with the Abraham, uh, Abraham's covenant. That is the, what we talked about earlier. That is the carrying on the seed of the promises and responsibilities that of the one that would one day strike down the snake. If you've remembered, Esau had already given his birthright away once for a bowl of soup. Now, I'm sure it was pretty, he was hungry, and I'm sure that, there, that he wanted it, but he gave it away flippantly. A birthright is that of the one that would be able to get the blessings, but we also miss this. It would also be the one that would take on the responsibility. The one that would be taking on the responsibility of the family. It was probably known at that time, and many people would say, if you had multiple children and you gave each one a certain part of land and all equal, usually within three to four generations, it had all crumbled. So usually what they would try to do is to create a line for that of one that would be responsible to take care of the family. The one that would be giving the blessings of the land, the given all this, but they would be also held responsible for all the situations that would occur. They were supposed to take care of their siblings. They were supposed to take care of the family. And that would be the line that would be able to be continuing to carry on. And we had seen Esau had already given it away once. And we already know that God had told Rebekah that it is to go to the second. That would be Jacob. Walkie explains this uh, even with uh, uh, more detail. He says, the blessing of Abraham's covenant, it, it brings conscious links with God's promises to Abraham and Abraham's faith and obedience. God states clearly that Isaac's blessings and those that so far on are a result of Abraham keeping God's command, decrees, and laws. Some scholars even say that Abraham is a type of, of Christ who, by his obedience, fulfills the righteousness requirement of the law and secures its blessing for the seed. A blessing 
in the presence of God and his promises for abundance and dominion is communicated through the spoken word. The transference of blessing must be spoken with faith, trusting in God's empowerment. This is one thing I also want us to realize. Blessings held such weight. You could not say something and take it back. This is a notary. This is a stamp of approval. Our world today has lost that. Someone could say something and 20 seconds later say something else. You see that on TV all the time today where the word has lost its value. There, it's when the, we'll see when the blessing is passed, it is, it is signed, sealed, it is directed. There is no take back. And that is what is given. We see this also blessing throughout Scripture in other times. In Leviticus 9.22, Aaron, as a God's priest, blesses the people to multiply as God's chosen people and to subdue the land. And Christ says it in Luke 24, 50 and 51, talks about extending his hands and blessing the church to reproduce and fill the land. But we see that there's progress, but we will see automatically that there's problems. And I'm going to name six problems that sometimes happen within families, and it might not happen. One not, might not be yours, but some of these might happen in your families. And maybe we could process it. Family problem number one, your selfish passions blind you to God's direction. Your selfish passions blind you to God's direction. Here's the shocker thing. I sometimes don't like preparing for sermons because they're very convicting. I still have selfish desires. I don't want to be open and honest about that. I want to direct it, but I still, I still can feel the power of the flesh trying to fight for my own desires. And when usually I take those desires, bad things happen. Family dynamics change. We can see this right at the beginning. Isaac automatically goes to his favorite son and says, an unworthy son, we'll see, and he is blind to God's plan, but he chooses his own way. He chooses his own way. Some of us, we had a great discussion. Did Isaac know that it was supposed to be Jacob or not? That's a great discussion. Well, two things have happened. Either Rebecca has never told him, so there's a real lack of communication, or he is blindly choosing his own path, his own selfish desires because he has chosen the son that he wants it. And the, the problem with this story, too, and I love this story, is that we want Jacob to be like the hero of of like the great books, like the one that has no flaws, nothing, no mistakes. Jacob's messed up. Every character in here is messed up, which is good for us because we're all messed up. We're all messed up. Isaac wanted his way. And he won it with a meal. And you see this multiple times, this delicious food that he, he wants this from the flesh. But it has steered him off course. It has steered him off course. And as I talked about, you notice how none of them go to God. 
When, he, when Rebecca had the twins fighting, where'd she go? She went to God. Here, they, don't, we, they make their own selfish patterns, and it blinds them. Where do you seek your own passions? What passions get you off track? Is it TV? Is it books? Is it politics? Is it lust? Is it once? What gets you off track? Your passions. Even in the story, I don't believe food is bad. But if it gets you off of God's direction, it is. You can choose selfish ways. And when selfishness enters the family, and when one is selfish, it wrecks it for everyone else, doesn't it? It only takes one. You have a big family, small family, it only takes one. Let's continue on in verse 5 of Genesis 27. Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau. Bring me game and prepare for me delicious food. It's the reminder of, this, the, of what we just talked, the selfish passions, delicious food, that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord, before I die. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat so that he may bless you before he dies. If you've noticed now two things, Isaac says, my son to Esau, and now you see Rebekah say, my son Jacob. Family problem number two, let me take over. Let me take over. You know that Rebekah we went through it. Genesis 25 had been told that Jacob is the one that is going to get it. That's going to be the blessing. Now, Rebecca has heard what is happening to Isaac. And instead of talking to Isaac and communicating that the problems and the issues and communicating with Isaac, she does, lot, she does a lot of what we like to do. Let me take over. God, I got this. God, I can, die. I can do this. What aspects in your life do you take over from God? I think we already have a lot of control. Probably too much control. You know that, like, even spiritual stuff, you control how much you read Scripture. You control how much you pray. When family situations happen, do you try to take over or are you obedient to God? Some of us, we know we're not supposed to worry, even though the scripture tells us we're not to worry. Some of us know that we are supposed to have assurance and salvation, but we still, we still lack, even though God says that we can have assurance and salvation. The problem is, is we want to take over. It's like, no, I, I only trust my footing. That is one of the things that annoys my wife the most about me. I'm a fixer. I'm a guy that likes to come in. And what is great is my girls are causing issues or something, and Daniel has the situation uh, taken care of. 
But you know who comes in like the Kool-Aid man? Rocking through, tearing down doors, tearing down walls, being like, hey, I'm going to fix this situation because it needs to be fixed. And then what's happened is there's debris everywhere from knocking down the walls and stabbing people. It's uh, that caused all these issues. And I was saying, what? What? Is that my fault? <laughs> no, not my fault. What? Me? No, we come in and we try to take over. And I do that with my wife and she's looking at me dumbfounded being like, who are you? I got this. And the problem is, is we do that with God. God, get out of the way. I got this. Because let me take over. Shockingly, it builds off the first one, selfishness. Because we really don't want to put it all in God's hands. We want me to take over. And the problem is, I'm too much like the Kool-Aid man. So, I really want some Kool-Aid right now. Uh, but we are, because my way is better than God's way. We don't say that to people, because why would we? we would, that would be embarrassing. We couldn't really talk about that. But we can live it. We can, we can do that. It's very, very dangerous when we take over. And Rebecca took over. Verse 11. But Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall seem to be mocking him and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, Let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. There's some frustrating things here. Many times in the story, we think Jacob is a 10-year-old boy. He ain't a 10-year-old boy. He's a man. He is a man that has, he can, at some point, you have to make decisions. And this is when he is, he's now listening to, and as you can see, she says, obey my voice. Mm. That leads to problem number three. Deception can come from anywhere except God. Deception can come from anywhere, even your own family. I know I hate to say it. I'm sorry, parents. You're not always right. I'm sorry, kids. You're not right a lot. <laughs> but deception can come from anywhere. I love my, my girls. One of my girls tells the best stories of jumping on alligators and shutting their mouths and then having fights. And then she'll look at me and goes, it's all true. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't believe all of that, but there's a deception there. But I also have been in a situation before where I, me and my wife are walking or we're talking and we, we're going through something and one of my daughters will say, hey, why don't we pray about it? And then all of a sudden, I feel convicted. I am like, truth is coming from God through a child. Truth can come from, but it only comes from God. The problem is deception can come from anywhere, even those that we think that are close. Re aren't Isaac and Rebecca supposed to be close? Deception is happening. 
And it's happening with Jacob too. And the mother is actually hurting Jacob in this situation. She thinks she's helping, but you'll know later on that after this situation, they never see each other again, ever. A mother thinking she has it, but she is deceived. We cannot be deceived. We need to be able to see what is truth. And truth only comes from God. Verse 14 says this, as we continue on. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother. And his mother prepared delicious food. Seen that word a lot, huh? Such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And the skins of the young goat she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread, which she had prepared, into the hands of her son, Jacob. I'm not going to lie, but it really does seem that Rebecca was ready for this moment. Like She's got the garments ready. She has the plan. Seems like she's a little almost too ready. What would it have looked like if Isaac and Rebecca were on the same page? If you are married or if you are in the process of thinking about being married and you are not heading the same direction, you are causing division. This is a, a unique story about a, a family that God still works through all the mess-ups and all the sins, but there are consequences. That, that is why I try with my wife to at least take a yearly trip so we could get on the same page. Because point number four is parents that head in different directions confuse the home. Parents that head in different directions confuse the home. God is not a God of confusion. God is not a God of confusion. I'm just going to use some stats. I know that this is, it's about divorced parents, divorced homes. This is just a one area where we would see that people not heading in the same direction. Children with divorced parents are twice as likely to drop out of high school. The divorced uh, kids have a five times higher shot that they live in poverty. 70% of prison inmates incarcerated for long term come from separated homes. Uh, they have higher mental health issues from speech, from headaches, from illnesses. They have a four times harder uh, time fitting in with their peers and their friends. And they are two times as likely to attempt suicide. Now, I know this isn't the case for every family or every home, but, but for parents that are not heading in the same direction, a godly direction, it confuses the home. How many of you have understood when I, you say one thing and your wife says another thing and the kids look at you like, Oh, I'm going to take the one that gave me the cool stuff. Are there more promise? Or when they all of a sudden they know which parent to go to when they can ask for things? Shocker. Because you're not on the same page. You haven't had the conversations of how to handle things properly. 
And so if you're a new parent or old parent, I would continue to have those conversations. I saw a couple of smiles right away from the parents because some of you already know, like, yeah, they go to you first. <laughs> or they go to this situation. Or they know if I got to get something done, they're going to go to this one. It's, it's how they do it. Now, I get it. Different kids have different personalities. You have different personalities. But when your parents are not on the same page, there's confusion. Why do you think there is huge confusion going on in our uh, schools today? Because we don't have parents lined up, guided, and if they even are lined up, they're not lined up, heading in a godly direction. And it causes confusion in the home. So we, if you're a believer today, that is a worship. I, I love talking about worship because a lot of times when we hear worship in America, it's during the song time. You know that being a good father and mother is worship to God? You're, you're being obedient you're following God's path. One of the greatest lines is, uh, parenting isn't that hard. Good parenting is really hard. Good parenting is really hard. And I'm, I'm encouraging you, if, if you are a parent today, and I'm telling you, I don't care how old your kid is, you're always a parent. I get told that all the time in here. You don't care. It doesn't matter age. You're always a parent. Let's uh, continue on Genesis 27, verse 18. So we went into his father, and this is Jacob, and he goes, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, how is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, because the Lord your God granted me success. That's going to come back. Uh, then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? And he answered, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smells of his garments and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of the fields that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Problem number five. When you are off God's path, you'll compromise anything. Isaac wants to give the blessing to Esau so badly, he misses the trick. Let's not forgive Jacob here for a second. Jacob uses the name of God, saying that he got his hunt done early because of God. 
I am telling you today that you have to be careful about how you use the name of God. We can become overly religious and just throw out God to try to convict people. Have you ever known of someone that just says, I heard from God, and what you're doing is wrong. It's whatever you're doing. It's whatever, because there's a conviction. It's not from love. It's not from grace. We use the name of God as a weapon. It is quite different when it is used properly from Scripture, and then it is actually the weapon and sword that it needs to be. The Bible is not used as a tool for you. It is used as a tool for God. And the problem is that sometimes we like to use it to manipulate people. And the thing is, is we have to be able to use it scripturally. The problem is, is here, Isaac wants the blessing that he actually tries to be able to tell naturally what he should have known spiritually. He tr- You notice that he tries to feel them, he tries to smell them, he tries to figure it out. Even though he knew this is Jacob's voice, but I know that I have to give this blessing away. I'm going to give it to you, so I'm going to do it. At no point spiritually did he seek the guidance and will of God. How many decisions do we make without seeking God's will? And then we look back and we blame God for not being in that decision. That is the human condition to a T. We love going back so we don't have to blame ourselves. We need to seek God. Isaac, at this moment, throughout, if he would have seeked the Lord, the Lord would have been there. Because the Lord is faithful. The Lord is with him. He would have known it wasn't Esau. Isaac believed he was dying. He goes on to live another 20 years. He thought of something, so he had to to process it. He didn't seek the Lord. So many of us are going through something. We're we're, uh, processing something. Oh, this is too hard, or this is too difficult. And we have not seeked the Lord. We have not gone to the Lord, and we have not been on the rock. Where is there confusion in your life? Where are you hurried? Where are you flustered? Do you really seek God or do you fall back into these different levels of confusion, trying to take over the act of deception, your own passions and not God's? This is a dangerous place to be. Isaac ultimately trusted in his human testing, not in God's trust. I will tell you this, the human test will always fail. And God's trust will always bring victory. Let us finish with verse 30. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of uh, Isaac with his father. And this is a great reminder. Who, this is the switching of the rules. Uh, Esau comes out first and who's grabbing his heel? It's Jacob. Now it's switched. Jacob had just got his blessing He's now getting out, and who walks right in? It's Esau. And he says this, and he comes in after his hunting, and he prepared this delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, Let my father arise and eat of his son's game, that you may bless me. 
His father Isaac said to him, Who are you? He answered, I am your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it and all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of the father, he cried out with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and has taken away your blessing. Esau said, Is he not rightly named Jacob? For he has cheated me these two times. He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, Have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you, and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What then can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. We see a ticked off Esau here. We see a, a man mad, angry, and he's sad. A lot of times, if we enter the story right here, we feel bad for Esau. Like, if you just, like, pick up, you're like, oh, he got cheated out. Ah, Esau was a flawed man as well. He had multiple wives that brought pain and suffering to the family, wasn't obedient to God. And he also gave away his birthright for a cup of soup. He wasn't diligent. He didn't value the birthright. And the problem is, is this leads to our final problem. Is number six is, six is waiting to be obedient is disobedient. Waiting to be obedient is disobedience. I can tell you that from personal experience by telling my children, we got to get to school. Can you get ready? And then all of a sudden they don't get ready. Oh, I'll do it later. It's, it's disobedience. At some point, we are called to do what we do. Esau did not value it until it was too late. He didn't value it. He gave it away for soup. But now all of a sudden, when, when the push came to shove and he handed away the blessing, he realized, I'm too late. I missed it. I no longer have the blessing. Some of us miss it. Some of us, I'll do that tomorrow when God has put it on your heart today. Some of you know you have to have some conversation with some people, but you keep pushing it off. Now, we'll finish the story next week with, with Jacob and how that looks and uh, Jacob's ladder and, and the pain, but the, there's consequences to the story. And I'm letting you know the decisions you make today, there's consequences for tomorrow. I hate to say it, sometimes people have, have been suffering consequences for years now. 
And maybe a decision you made yesterday will lead to consequences later on. Your decisions matter. They do. It's shown here. We have been promised a blessing. We have promised the, to follow Christ. And some of us do not grab a hold of it and take it and live for it. Some of us are like Esau. We say, I'll get it later. I'll really follow God later. Sometimes later doesn't come. Sometimes later does not come. A couple months ago, and I still have them because I randomly pray over them, you guys wrote down family members and family situations and you folded up papers and you put them up here and you gave them to God. Now I had promised at that point that I would not read them. I have not read them, but I pray over them. And I know that many of you, today it relates we have family issues. We have family problems. And we see in this story that God can still work through the family issues. But just like those cards, we need to go to the Father. We need to go to God and seek God in those situations. Some of you want to fix the situation yourself. You can't. You need to seek what God wants of you, what God has for you. I'm going to end with this. Me and Brad got in a nice little theological debate because sometimes we will justify the, how to get somewhere because we think it's good. We know at the end, like, oh, that's what God wants. God has promised that, so I'll do whatever it takes to get to that point. That's disobedience. If God says to wait, you need to wait. If God says to go, you need to go. The problem is, is what we do is do all the other family problems. Let me take over. Selfish God, I got it, God. I don't, you could go through the list and that will lead all the way back into, we always ask all the time, how do I know I need to be obedient? How do I know I need to win? Let's be honest. I think too many times we actually know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. We're just not doing it. We're just disobedient or we wait for it. When God says that to do something or when to do it. The Holy Spirit is in you. Know that, right? Like he's not going to just be passive. And he usually calls us to be out there. And sometimes it's hard. From the flesh standpoint. But if you're walking with God, then you're in the right path. So I encourage you, do not delay. Don't wait to be obedient. Do it now. And sometimes if that means, hey, I just need to read, or I just need to get away, and I need to have a Sabbath, do that. But don't, don't be disobedient. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I continue to pray over the list of names that were written on the gray papers. You've worked in some ways. And here's, here's the unique thing. You are always working through all of that. You have heard our prayers. And I pray that you continue to work through those lives, through the family problems, the family issues. And if there are parents in here that they're off track and they're heading in this different direction, I pray that they get together.
And I pray that they seek you and head in the right direction together. Doesn't mean it will be easy, but it means that we'll be obedient. And may we be obedient in this today. May we be the family that we're supposed to be. And I pray that for this church, that this church stays unselfish, that this church says that it's not about me, it's about your glory, that, that we continue to look outside ourselves and trust in you in our own family lives and in these walls today. I thank you for the kids singing today. I thank you for you showing up today. I thank you for our hearts and our minds. I pray as we leave this place, but never your presence, that, that we will be obedient to whatever you ask, whatever you call. And we not be of selfish desires. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed and wonderful week. Thank you.